How did this not? Oh, okay, it should connect here in a minute. <clears throat> okay. All right, let's see. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Looks like we are live across the board here. Hey, thanks for tuning in. So I've been I've been working for about 20 hours straight now. And so if I seem a little tired, that's because I am. But um, I did release the Book of Ephesians. Very, very happy about that, right? A lot of work, a lot of uh, critiquing really goes in. Uh, to the translating, right, and uh, getting it published, and right, they are the books are in final draft form, right? The books marked with the asterisks are in final draft form. Uh, they're still not uh, how, like, the, you know, I, I still make may make some errors as to how they're published, but the other, right, the books without the asterisks, they are. Uh, those are rough draft forms. So, you know, it's important to understand that, right? It's also important to understand that depending on what, uh, let's say a person uses a, uh, you know, 1600s uh, Greek manuscript of the Bible, right? Well, that, that manuscript will differ slightly from other uh, older manuscripts, right? And understanding, right, I did do a, an interesting... Uh, an interesting um, video on how the Bible over over uh, the periods of time has been sort of just it's just it just changing just a little bit right so Christ Christ suggests and I was sort of actually thinking about this myself what Christ is suggesting when he says hey will not the least brush stroke no jot will uh, vanish from the, the letter of the law and that's true right they still have a very old old versions of the Bible, right? But some of these are not accessible to, to us, right? And some of them are uh, lost entirely, right? So uh, nowhere in the Bible does it say that Christ will protect the sanctity of every version of the Bible out there. No, that's not what it says at all. So, uh, you know, so understanding that it's important, right? Uh, and uh, anyways, so... Let's get let's get into the sermon, right? I wanted to be t to talk about the love of Jesus Christ and just how incredible uh, the love of Jesus Christ is, right? And <clears throat> in our lives, it takes uh, a good amount of self discipline, right? Staying focused on what we want in our own lives, so that we don't lose sight of it and get caught up in some drama by Oftentimes, what you will find is mankind, they are not exactly, well, they're completely out of alignment with God, right? They, they will do what they like. And uh, I will tell you, sometimes it, it appears as if they cannot, right? And this is, this is the, <clears throat> the, uh, <clears throat> the crux of mankind, right? If mankind cannot or will not surrender their free will to God, that is a determining factor. And that's very important, right? So being able to fully understand the love of God's goodness, God's uh, abundant love, right? 
uh, that agape love that is divine love, right? And uh, fascinating in Greek, right? Some of the words like uh, spiritual darkness, right? It's actually one word, right? That has uh, both both uh, connotations within it. It's very interesting to uh, to study the Greek language. It's it's considered the a holy language, and it's pretty, it's pretty beautiful. So, anyways, uh, the love of of God and staying focused on the love of God is what is important in our lives, right? We have to stay focused on keeping ourselves right, loving. And what what you see today in in churches is that that most churches, I'll tell you, it's rare. It's very rare to see a church that actually has um, accurate, accurate Christian theology being practiced in it, right? Uh, many people, right, they want that sort of McDonald's uh, Christianity where, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm Christian, but hey, whatever, whatever that means, you know. Or, um, right, they show up on Sunday, they, they get to see the band play, and then, you know, yeah, they listen to the sermon, and then they go home and whatever, right? But actual Christianity is a constant mindset. It's a continual mindset of giving to God, right? It's staying rooted in the foundation that is portrayed, that is uh, spoken by the prophets out of love. See, the prophets, they, they see what everybody sees, right? And this is a very common feeling for uh, many of us to have, you know, you wish you could help more. You see people struggling and you wish you could help more, but you can't, right? See, and and understanding that this is what the prophets were seeing, right? They, the prophets, you know, for example, Gideon and Joshua, they were seeing suffering in the land. They said, someone has to do it. God's calling me. Maybe they were scared. Maybe they were... Maybe it took him a, a day or so to, to work up the courage. Uh, Gideon, it is suggested it took him a few hours to work up the courage to, to go with, I think it says he took 10 or 30 men, and he went and tore down an altar, right? And today, right, that would be like tearing down a monument, right? And indeed, actually, uh, just about four hours from where uh, I live in, uh, in Reading is... Uh, is a satanic temple in a, in a San Francisco. It's a major city, right? And so this is not something, right? But it's not something that is good, right? It's not something that we really want to see, right? It's, it's, but uh, that courage, right? That Gideon had to work up that, that faith, right? That faith where Gideon had to press in, even with, you know, a group of people going with you, right? The consequences of obeying God could be very, very severe, right? And so understanding that God is a God of love, right? Uh, Gideon, right? And Joshua, they had hearts rooted in love. They wanted to go out and help people. But the old, at some point, right, uh, Christ asks for justice. Therefore, justice is necessary, right? And that, therefore, at some point, right, just the love, right, just loving, right, it is not uh, just a single gear, right? Christians do not just have one gear where we just are pacifists and just loving. It's not correct. So understanding that 
uh, you know, when you apply the ways of God's love to your life, right, when you uh, start to grasp just how powerful, just how effective, just staying rooted in love in your life, not letting other people shift you out of that uh, gear of love, right, unless necessary, right, uh, is, is extremely powerful, right? Because when you think about how you feel when you're in that loving state, when you're in that happy, joyous state, right, you feel great. You feel like you're on cloud nine. God's with you. You got the favor of God with you. You know, you're bouncing around through, through the earth and everything's going great. It's an incredible feeling to feel the presence of God dwelling with you and know that people can see it tangibly. The people will just start turn, t- turning their heads in, in awe and they'll, they'll just stop and, and they'll stare going, what the, what is that, right? And this is suggested in uh, the radiant face of Moses, right? After God had, uh, or sorry, after Moses had gone up uh, to meditate and uh, get the Ten Commandments, when Moses came back down, his face was so radiant. It, it, it was suggested, it was written that they, he terrified. It was terrifying to the people. He looked otherworldly. He looked divine, right? And this comes from bringing yourself out of alignment with the world and into alignment with God, right? But when we're letting those negative emotions, right, people may, may perhaps, right, people are giving us um, negative input, right? Negative input. Maybe they're giving us hatred. Maybe they're giving us bitterness, right? As Christians, you have to understand, you don't want hatred. You don't want bitterness. You don't want uh, negative input, right? So getting a very firm grasp of just how much God loves you so that you can sort of hold on to it when other people, right, who are uh, maybe not fully formed Christians or not Christian at all, right, are uh, talking to you, that ironclad sense of connection with God, knowing that nothing that that person is really saying is very important, Uh It's not that we don't respect other people. It's just that we know that God's opinion is higher uh, than man's opinion, right? So if mankind tells us one thing about ourselves, we know that that's not actually true, right? And this is very powerful. It's It's a very powerful mentality to have with you as you go through life when you Uh, start walking out on the waters with God and people start opposing you and there will be opposition out of uh, many, many emotions, pure jealousy, um, bitterness, right? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They don't, they don't want you, right? The favor of God is an incredibly powerful thing. If God chooses to give you favor, Well, it is suggested that God, in Exodus, it is suggested that God gave Moses the power to perform the miracles that he performed. Uh, If you you read Exodus, that is exactly what it says. God says, I will empower you to perform these miracles. And so you can imagine... uh, 
what an incredible, you know, an incredible gift that is, right? Now, the favor of God, right, it doesn't always look uh, similar or the same, right? We're not, God is not, well, okay, God probably won't, right? He, he, God often has a purpose, right? He empowered Moses with the miracle so that he could set the Israelites free, not that so Moses could go uh, surf a giant wave or something like that, right? It's because, right, there need there was four hundred thousand people, four hundred thousand. Some some sources suggest more, maybe two million, something like that. People who needed to be saved, they were praying to God, they were crying out to God, and God, out of His love, He sent a sequence of events that would save them and set them free and lead, lead them out of captivity into freedom. And, and such an interesting uh, point in the Bible, right? When Christ comes on, on the scene, it says the same thing. He led captives out of captivity. And it's all throughout the Bible, set the captives free. And so, do, you know, does this always, this is done out of love. Does this always mean right they will be physically captive no that it doesn't maybe there's some sin they don't know right and this is the case uh many of times there people have not been taught right and maybe we as as individuals think oh man this this person is such a not non-christian right this person's totally not a christian right and that's ah, it's not a really christian thought to have honestly but uh, we are human, right? Uh, so a perfect Christian mind is not something that exists. Mankind is not perfect, right? Uh, and so understanding that we are practicing our Christianity, right? We're practicing it. So when someone says, uh, gets under your skin, right? You don't think, oh, this person's totally unchristian. They're going to, <laughs> or anything like that, right? An accurate Christian mentality would be when someone gets under your skin, you, you look, you know, you stay focused on how God sees you and remember how God would want you to handle the situation. And instead of hatred, the normal response of mankind, right? You give love, right? You say, hey, uh, you know, uh, are you, are you, uh, have you ever studied uh, communication? Have you ever studied uh, proper, proper uh, etiquette? Whatever it is, right? And give them a suggestion of how they can improve something like that, something constructive, right? Speak only to edify that it may benefit all those who listen, right? And we're trying to benefit them, right? We're trying to help them. When they give hatred, we return love. This is Christianity. This is the foundation of Christianity. So if if you see Christians and they look normal, if they look just like everyone else, Though that's not a Christian. A Christian is a state that cannot be. It cannot be spoken through the mouth. You cannot say, I am Christian. You have to actually be Christian in t on the interior. Right? It is, you can't just say it. It just, it just doesn't work. The, the meaning of the word Christian is not a spoken word. It is a state of being. An internal, internal, eternal, spiritual state of being. Right. So grasping this is important and we are practicing our Christianity again. Right. So you will run into uh, 
young baby Christians. And the Apostle Paul suggests this, right? Uh, let us not drink spiritual milk anymore, right? Let us mature ourselves into adults so that we're not thrown to and fro. It's a very funny uh, passage in Ephesians, actually. But so understanding, right? As guides, Christians, we are guides, we are healers, we are leaders, we show the way, right? And sometimes in life that will mean God says, hey, it's your time to get up and run 80 miles an hour. It's your time to get up and press into your life with all the courage that you have left. Because I have one, one thing for you to do. And this sort of... Uh, mentality, the understanding that God is with us, right? The power of the one true living God, the favor that the prophets received that, that bestowed their exaltation upon them dwells with us here today, right? It is, it is produced by the state of righteousness, getting your heart in alignment with God, getting a loving state, right? God is loving. You've heard people say God is is a loving, a God of love. Well, as Christians, we imitate God. The ways that God di displays are the way, the, the aspects of the nature of God. We try and adopt, internalize, and make our own. And this is very important when you are uh, trying to become or press deeper into your faith, right? It's not about looking at other people and saying, oh, this guy was Christian. He was you know, he's, he's rich, man. He's got a Corvette. Sure, I want to be like that. Because it's more about thinking how Jesus would want you to live your life. Would Jesus want you to have, you know, hundred, you know, let's say $2 million in the bank, a Corvette, and there's people starving and dying around you? No. So if, See, Christian means to be of Christ, right? Christian means to be of love, right? And if you and the Bible says, right, anyone who loves their brother, right, i.e., it means brother and sister. Anyone who loves their brother and sister has the truth dwelling in them. Anyone who does not love their brother or sister is a liar, and the truth is not in them. Right? And so when you see people who are multimillionaires and uh, they are not giving the love of Jesus Christ, right? First, first John, he he himself, the apostle John, uh, states clearly, right? Well, these people, they're not Christian, right? Um, <clears throat> so when you see uh, very very wealthy um, ministers, right? There's something wrong, right? And you know, it, it will depend on how they are deploying their assets, right? If they are operating some business that is helping people, providing a lot of jobs, uh, feeding people and outreaching, etc., right? Maybe you can work in, uh, maybe that can work as a Christian, uh, you know, a Christian model, but, right, if you see their, their assets, they're just chilling or they, they're adding a big key is adding house onto house, right? Bible says, woe to you who add house onto house. What's the point, right? 
Um, <clears throat> understanding this is very important, right? Christians, we're not of this world, right? We're not trying to be like the mega church, uh, multimillionaire preachers who are stealing from people and telling them, hey, you're going to end up going to heaven for it. This is not accurate biblical Christian theology, but there are characters in the Bible who are depicted as doing this. And these are the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Sanhedrin, right? The, the murderers of Christ Jesus. And so understanding, right, the, the core foundations of God's love, right, that will keep us rooted and center on, centered on producing something different than mankind in our lives, that's what Christians are going for. And uh, it is suggested, right, only a 10% tithe is uh, required, right, for an individual, right? Not, uh, this is not the case when it comes to a, a mega church, right, getting, getting tithe and then they, they tithe 10%. They keep 90% of the tithe money for themselves and they tithe 10%. That's not how it works, right? How did Jesus do it? And so understanding these models is extremely important because there are a whole lot of people out there who need Christians out of love to guide them, to lead them, to gain that self-control, to gain that God focus, right? Where you're focused on God and you're not letting go. I don't care what this other person says to me. I don't care what this other person does. I'm not going to let go of my Christianity. I'm going to keep blessing him because I know that that reckless love of Jesus Christ reached down into the mud and pulled me out of the mud, pulled me out of death, walked me out of death into life and life everlasting, out of darkness into light. And I know that that reckless love of Christ did that for me. And so I'm going to display that reckless love of Jesus Christ for this person so that I can save their soul. Right. This is what God is talking about. Not of this world does not mean I have a Corvette and and there's and my city is thriving in homelessness. Uh, I haven't uh, I haven't looked at the statistics for Reading yet. I'll probably do that within the next 24 hours. But what I do notice is that there is a thriving homeless population here and uh you know it's pretty it's pretty heat you know, it's pretty pretty warm place and uh so i i have been asking around right like why why is the homeless population here so so booming and what it is suggested is that the climate is just ideal for for homelessness i don't buy it i'll tell you i don't buy it i have i have theories uh, one one lady suggested that it is one of the mega churches, and that was uh, her suggestion. It is causing it. Uh, there was another suggestion of drugs. There was another another suggestion of uh, <laughs> many suggestions. But to get to the root of a problem, so that you can solve it, so that you can heal it. Right, as Christians, we are healers. We're meant to be. Uh, producing healing, right? Not uh, worsening problems or uh, anything like that. It's very important to understand, right? So 
getting to the root of the problem, you have to understand what is causing the problem, right? Obviously. And uh, this is what we're looking for, right? And oftentimes in individuals, it's hurt, right? It's those feelings of bitterness, right? That Paul uh, and Christ say to let go of. Get those negative emotions out so that the goodness of God can dwell within you, can fill you up so that you can abound in all things. This is what God's talking about. So you shall know them by their fruit, right? But it is a high standard, right? It's not a hard thing to do, but it is a high standard. It's not difficult. Anyone could do it, but it's not... Um, Well, what I have seen in, in my church-going days is that many churches are very, very finance-centric. And uh, these churches are not pointing towards heaven, unfortunately. They're pointing towards something else, right? They're pointing either towards earth or potentially worse than that, right? And so you have to be careful, right? Christ suggests examine teachings, uh, and, uh, you know, not many of the prophets are, are displayed in churches, right? I'm not suggesting that church is a bad thing, but what I am suggesting is that the prophets are out in the world doing the work of God out of love, out of a benevolent Christian love, right? Displaying accurate Christian theology. That is what Christians do. We don't just talk about it. A real Christian... Maybe they go to church. Maybe you'll find them in churches. Absolutely. But also a real Christian, at least, at least three times a year, will be out in the world blessing other people, helping other people, lifting other people up. And honestly, that's really, really scarce, right? If, if you are a Christian and you see a, a struggling uh, young, young person, you are called to walk over there and talk to them and teach them, ask them what's wrong. If you see in your church or in your community, right, a pair of tear-filled eyes and you walk on by, well, this is the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? The parable of the Good Samaritan, <clears throat> the guy gets robbed. But Christ is not suggesting that it has to be that level of severity prior prior to Christians reaching out and helping them and displaying God's love to them, right? No, not at all, right? It is when we see it, right? When we pick up on it, sometimes God is just sitting there knocking on your door saying, hey, I know that you have the heart to help that person. I want you to go and I want you to display my love for that person. And it's very, very easy uh, in this sort of hyper hyper speed society where we're trying to go 90 miles an hour we're all trying to uh, get ahead of each other we want to be you know making or whatever we want to be advancing right to pass these things by but i'll tell you that these are the silver lining moments they're the best moments in life and nothing else absolutely nothing else will top these moments these are moments uh, created 
coming into existence from love, from the divine love of God. And so when you're passing up moments that God is offering you, it is very, very, uh, well, it's, you're going to be missing out on a lot. You're going to be missing out on what God had for you. And right, the Bible does suggest that God blesses the obedient, right? Blessings for obedience, right? This is Leviticus 26. And, uh, it's important to understand that this, the stance, right? The mindset, the accurate Christian mindset is not, I'm doing, I'm going to go obey God because he's going to bless me back. That's not how it works, right? Out of love, we are cultivating, Christians are cultivating that love core, that divine love of God nature within ourselves so that God doesn't have to so that God no longer has to tell us to go and be loving. We're just loving people. That is Christianity. That is why the first and second commandment are love. And it's not just um, the first and second commandment. The word love is mentioned uh, hundreds of times throughout the Bible. I think it's about 20 on 20% of the pages, something like that. It's very, very common. The love of God is a very real, very powerful thing that can and will change your life if you choose to understand it, become mindful of it, right? Keep it in your mind all throughout your day. <clears throat> saying it, make a conscious choice to say, I'm staying in, rooted in the love of God all today. That's my goal today. And that's a very admirable goal. In fact, if you get pretty pretty good at that, right, you will be able to move mountains with love and love alone. As Christ did, right? Christ was going around and, and you know, he didn't have finance. So many people, they think, ah, oh, I don't have finance. I can't help anyone. That's not true at all, right? There are many, many other ways, right? God has imparted us. He's led us to wisdom experiences that other people are out there. They need your story. They need your word. They need your edification. They need your help. And so few people, I cannot tell you, so few people are willing to just go and have, a, have another conversation with a human being, even if God asks them. This is why it is written few and many, because People, they may say they're Christian, right, on their, on their, with their lips, with their voice, right? But when it comes, push, when push comes to shove, they see that other person suffering out there. They see that good Samaritan and they walk right past them. And so as Christians, we're called to be the savior, right? The rescuer, the leader, right? And we, we only can do this to a certain extent, and that's true, right? I cannot, right, help uh, the entire world with their finances because, hey, I don't have finances like that. I cannot uh, help the world uh, by speaking uh, individually to people one, one after another, hey, but I can do a podcast. And hey, if anybody would like to listen and Maybe they catch a bit of wisdom. Maybe they catch something that builds them up. Maybe they catch something that they can use. Well, hallelujah for that, right? That is what we're talking about. 
just trying, right? And uh, <clears throat> the podcast I do usually runs for about 30 minutes, 30 minutes a day. That's it. And so understanding, right, it doesn't take much to be Christian, but so few people will just take the time out of their day to just do something, do something benevolent, do something kind, right? Stay in that loving state. And that loving state is enough because when you take that loving state that is a gift from heaven, gifted from God, right? Uh, and you take it into any place, your workplace, your home, right? Please, right? Cultivate this in your homes. Uh, when you take that loving state in your workplace, it will bless, it will attract, it will help everyone in the workplace, just as they're seeing that you have that divine loving state radiating as the radiant face of Moses out into the world, people will wonder. They'll wonder. And I'll tell you, I wear this cross absolutely everywhere I go. And so when people are wondering, right, well, here is Christ Jesus, right, uh, re representing himself, I guess, dwelling within me, right? Uh, and understanding that is extremely important, right? It doesn't take much, uh, but it does take a, 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 an understanding, a conscious mindset, right? We have to consciously choose to do it. We have to become mindful of it and remain mindful of it. And then, right, day in, day out, right? So, hey, if you have to wake up in the morning, you make a little note. You say, hey, tomorrow I'm going to spend two minutes I'm going to spend two minutes thinking of loving things in the morning so that I can go out in the day and maintain that loving state all day long. This is what this is the beginning of practicing Christianity because without love, well, we don't have the first and second commandments, right? And you have to have step one and step two, right? This is step one and step two. Christ says these are the most important things. He doesn't say work. No, work, work is the fourth commandment. And so when you go down the, the line, right, one and two, right, that's how, that's how we do it first thing in the morning. Okay, that's the first one. Okay, I've got to do that. Then I've got to do the second one, right? And then you go on and on through the other ones, and eventually you hit the fourth commandment, and hey, it's time to start working, right? And it doesn't take much, like I'm saying, take you five minutes, something like that. And I'll tell you, this five minutes making that connection to the divine love of God in your day, in your day, in the beginning of your day. It'll change your life forever. I guarantee you. You will, you'll see God move in ways in your life that are, well, they're unexplainable. Uh, I can't tell you in my life how many miracles are shifting as a, as if I was in the eye of the storm and God himself was, moving around me in some sort of hurricane. I'm not exactly sure what God is doing, but I do have an idea. And uh, he tells me that it's something greater than I can understand. So that's a very humble, humbling experience, right? To be working with God. And he says, ah, it's, that's greater than you can understand it, buddy. Sorry. Uh, and I'm sitting there going, oh, man. Uh, but that's often how God works. We don't have to understand. We just have to love. 
We have to understand and trust that God is a God of love. He's not leading us any place that is not good for us, that is not incredibly good for us. And press in, trust God, and keep giving the love of Jesus Christ, the love, the divine agape love that God wants us all to possess and remain rooted in all the days of our lives. Hey, blessings on you all. Thanks for tuning in. And I will see you guys all next time.